Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. This is your invitation to a masterclass in engineering and design. Your ticket to go from zero to 60 with the Lexus Performance Line. A feeling this dynamic is invite only. Fortunately, you're invited. Experience the exhilaration of the Lexus Performance Line and some of the best offers of the year on select models at the Invitation to Lexus sales event, now through April 1st. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. This is the final part of a two-part episode looking at the strange life of a Christian author and speaker, Doreen Irvin, who claimed to have been, at one point in her life, the official Queen of the Black Witches. From the 1970s to the 1990s, she traveled the world warning people about the dangerous power of the occult. And countless churchgoers were convinced that her terrifying testimony of animal sacrifice, top secret sex rituals, and frightening exorcisms were true. While others called her a fraud or a deluded woman. Well, we'll assess the validity of Doreen's claims at the end of this episode, but for now, we continue hearing her story. In the last episode of Frightful, we were introduced to Doreen's challenging life. She was born into poverty, she wound up as a drug-addicted prostitute on the streets of London, until a chance meeting with two Satanists at a strip club brought her into the world of devil worship. She was frightened at first, but soon she was entranced with the occult. And eventually, she even became a high priestess. She claimed that with that position came supernatural power and even personal visitations with Satan himself. Doreen writes the following in her 1972 book, From Witchcraft to Christ. On more than one occasion, Lucifer materialized in a black form before all Satanists in the temple. No one disbelieved. It was indeed Satan. We heard his voice speaking to us as a whole congregation. We knew it was he saying, I am Lucifer, your master. I speak unto you from my lips. Obey my voice, my children. Do all the evil you wish. Never fear, I will protect you at all times. Revel in your freedom of lust this night. It is pleasing in my sight. We obeyed without question. She says that Lucifer started to give her dark spiritual gifts like ESP, extrasensory perception, where she could read other people's minds. She said she was given a demonic and inhuman sense of strength and endurance so that she no longer required much sleep. She had first been introduced to this satanic group via two women she met at a strip club. When they took her on that first night, Doreen claims that the chief satanist had caught her eye and was clearly admiring her. Now that she was a regular member of the group, she had also become the man's lover. She always refers to him as the chief Satanist, but one day she says that he told her that he was also something called a black witch. Now, Doreen writes that these so-called black witches are powerful and not to be taken lightly since they expressly use magic for malicious purposes. 
Here's what she says about these so-called black witches. And you can see how this sort of writing helped stoke a paranoia in local churches that the witches were plotting against them. Black witches are able to call up or call down powers of darkness to aid them. Very often, they exhume fresh graves and offer the bodies in sacrifice to Satan. They break into churches, burn Bibles and prayer books. Whenever holy ground is desecrated, an emblem of witchcraft is left behind. Goat's blood is splashed on headstones of graves, on walls, etc. They hold nothing sacred and will stop at nothing to pursue their goals. Nothing. Black witches have the power to put curses on people and the curses work. People have been known to die because of the curse or spell of a black witch. Nude rites are another evil aspect of witchcraft. Hell for a witch of the black kind is not a place of torment, but of unlimited pleasure with every lust fulfilled. All meetings included awful scenes of perverted sexual acts. As sex plays an important part in witchcraft, many black witches were lesbians or homosexuals. Her testimony, which is steeped in fundamentalist Christian theology, goes on. Sadism was practiced frequently. Some even cut themselves with knives and felt no pain. Imagine over 100 black witches all taking part in such perversions at the same time. And this still goes on today. She says that her occult powers grew stronger and stronger. She claimed to be able to levitate four or five feet from the ground. It was not a hoax, she said. Demons aided me. She could even kill birds in flight with her mind. And as well as making objects appear and disappear, she could transport herself through space. According to her, she was so gifted that the chief Satanist and black witch started to wonder, might Doreen Irvin have what it takes to become the queen of the black witches. To help him discover this, he organized a bizarre test of her supernatural powers, and it happened out on Dartmoor. Dartmoor National Park in Devon is a vast and eerie stretch of moorland steeped in mystery and legend. A craggy and windswept landscape known for Neolithic tombs, stone circles and old, empty farmhouses long abandoned. It was a cloudless, moonlit night on Dartmoor when Doreen would be tested. It would happen before a gathering of two large and active covens who had gathered specifically for the ritual. She said the members took off their clothes and, while naked, they started to chant and dance, pursuing their wild rituals into the night. But then she noticed something unexpected. She looked across the massive open moors where three figures seemed to be walking over the brow of a hill. And they were coming in the direction of the covens. This was not a manifestation of Lucifer and his demons. No, she realized that these were men who, in a short space of time, would be close enough to see everything that was going on here in this secret ritual. A whisper of intruders raced through the crowd and the covens went into a panic. There were no rocks or trees to hide behind, which meant that these men would discover them soon and easily. There was no place to hide. But then Doreen announced a solution to the crowd. Don't worry, I can make myself invisible. If you put yourself in my hands, I'll make you invisible too. I called up the powers of darkness from demons and Satan himself. 
Within seconds, a green, swirling mist enveloped us. We could scarcely see each other as the three men passed us. I could easily have reached out my hand and touched them, one of whom had walked under our raised hands into the centre of our circle. My magic had worked. What I have related is perfectly true. The men couldn't see anybody. They couldn't even see the swirling mist. And so they shrugged and said, let's go home, there's no witches here. We're wasting our time. Why were these men out looking specifically for witches at the exact time? Well, the local newspaper gave the answer the next day. They ran a story with the headline, No Witches on Dartmoor. And it was about a local Christian preacher who had taken two reporters up on the moors. He had heard a rumor about a huge witchcraft ritual that was taking place there that night. Yet he was stumped to find that there were no witches on the moor. But of course, according to Doreen Irvin, there had been plenty. Only they had been granted invisibility by Doreen herself. Now clearly this nifty escape plan became a big story amongst the witches. And she said that news of it swept through the covens. We were all highly amused, she wrote, and my fame spread abroad. Her magic had worked, though Doreen was quietly confused at something from that night that didn't work. She said she had tried to curse the preacher who was out there looking for witches, but somehow she could not harm him. Still, though, Doreen, known to the witches now as Diana, was clearly chosen well by Lucifer, and it was decided that she would compete to become the Queen of the Black Witches at a great drug-fueled ceremony that brought witches from covens all across Europe. It took place on Dartmoor again, and there were seven witches competing for the title, and the tests were intense. A bird was released from a cage. I killed it in flight. It was something I'd done before, but I was the only one who did it in a test. Various other supernatural feats were performed that eerie night on Dartmoor, but the last was the greatest, firewalking. The test was to walk through a great bonfire. Not a ring of fire, please note, but a great blaze. The successful candidate would meet Lucifer in the centre of the blaze, and Lucifer would be seen by the assembly to take the hand of the witch and guide her through the flames so that she would emerge completely unscathed. I walked confidently into the flames of seven feet or more, all the time calling my great master Diabolos. Suddenly, I saw him materialise before me, a great black figure. Nashon, Dragoris, I took his hand and walked with him to the centre of the great blaze. Only when I emerged at the other side of the blaze did my master, Diabolos, disappear. The gathered worshippers fell to the ground in worship. Hail Diana, queen of the black witches, rose the loud cry of over a thousand witches. They then placed a golden crown on her head and she was given a sumptuous cloak and a golden orb placed in her left hand. She says that she took her seat at the throne just as the place exploded into a frenzied orgy of sex, drink, drugs and blasphemy. Now that she was queen of the Black Witches, she started to travel in luxury across Europe, accompanied by the chief Satanist. She said that Lucifer equipped her with new supernatural skills, 
For example, she found she could speak every language in each of the countries she visited. She says that she acted as a guide to the witches of Europe, helping them strategize for this new modern era, trying to figure out ways they could make witchcraft more enticing to the young. After all, she said, New recruits were needed if evil was to conquer. She says she was queen of the black witches for a year before voluntarily stepping aside to make way for a new queen. And when she did that, the chief Satanist left her for another woman. This left Doreen in a pensive, reflective mood. She noticed that the older she got, the more she started to think about old age and death. And with that topic, she started to become afraid. What if, after all she had done, she would be destined to hell? This thought plagued her, and the more she thought about it, the more disillusioned she was with being a witch. And so she decided to risk breaking one of the rules of Satanism that she said she was told. She started to visit some Christian churches. She kept looking over her shoulders in case any members of the satanic cabal were watching her. The more she learned about God in church, the more she wanted to turn her back on being a witch. And then one night, at an evangelistic crusade, she heard the preacher call for anybody who wanted to become born again as a Christian. She said she knew that this call was for her, and so she went to stand, but she couldn't. She said she felt chained to her feet, and suddenly she heard the audible voice of Satan say, You are mine. You cannot go. It's too late for you. You are mine. She pushed through and got up. She went forward for prayer and then went into a little counseling room where some of the staff of the church were waiting. Satan spoke again. You cannot change your mind. That night started a long and arduous spiritual battle. She said she started seeing Lucifer standing by her bedside. His form and face was black and twisted, she said, and he kept saying... You are mine. You must obey me. Keep away from Christians or you will die. She says that this battle for her soul lasted for months. I wandered into many different churches and sometimes heard the blood of Jesus mentioned. At that, a dark force within took control of me and strange things occurred. I acted in inexplicable satanic ways. I snatched Bibles and tore them. I threw hymn books around the church. I smashed communion glasses and spilt wine. I would fall to the floor, screaming and hissing and slithering like a snake. Then, quite suddenly, I would come out of myself and remember nothing. I'd run out of the church, sobbing and crying. (laughs) Some thought I was mentally ill, but I knew that it was not I myself that willed these actions. A dark evil within me took control. Best to end it all. Best to die. Die, die, said Lucifer. This constant torment and all of the mocking, demonic voices started to overwhelm her, and one night she decided she had had enough. She would take the devil's advice. Doreen says that she ran to a bridge and climbed up on the parapet, and she was ready to throw herself into the rushing water below before a man stopped her, saying, What do you think you're doing, you silly woman? Afraid and alone, she ran into a telephone box, sobbing and shaking. And it was in here that she saw the name and telephone number of a church minister called Reverend Stanley Jeb. 
Desperate, she called him immediately. After she told him her story, Reverend Jeb didn't turn her away as a crank. Instead, he said he'd help her by organizing an exorcism. So I'd finished the day recording the next episode of Frightful and I thought, it's time to eat and unwind. So I had some enchiladas with my family and we chatted about school and work and enchiladas because they were excellent. And as the conversation naturally died down, it was time to head off and relax. But when they turned to see me in my seat, I had already vanished into thin air. Well, more accurately, I'd vanished into the garden to kick back in the sun and to score some quality time with Best Fiends, which is a fabulous free-to-download puzzle game filled to the brim with exciting levels for new adventures, cute, customizable characters, and evolving challenges. It's great. And if your Wi-Fi doesn't quite stretch to your garden, big deal. You can play this game offline. Heck, even Doreen Irvin and her Black Witch compadres could have been unlocking new levels on Best Fiends while they were out on the remote landscapes of Dartmoor consulting Lucifer. Yeah, you can play it anywhere. I'm on level 112, but there are thousands of further levels to unlock and brand new events to keep me and Doreen going. Maybe it could keep you going too. So why don't you download your new favorite getaway, Best Fiends, for free today on the App Store or Google Play. You'll even get $5 worth of in-game rewards when you reach level 5. That's friends without the R. Best Fiends. The man who carried out the exorcism was called Reverend Arthur Neal. Before he did that, though, he sat with Doreen one day and started to ask her questions about the strange voices that she heard in her head, asking her specifically if she knew the name of these voices. All the while, she says that she heard an evil spirit demanding her, Tell him nothing! Tell him nothing! Then Reverend Neil started praying in tongues, which is a strange language that some Christians use when praying. They believe this is a gift from God. And though it sounded like gibberish to Doreen, she sensed that the demons inside her could understand it perfectly. These rituals of deliverance took place over time in different sessions. She said throughout it, she would be plagued with dreams and visions. I experienced the most horrific dreams. Dreams so vivid, so real and so horrible. Ugly, hairy animals chased me to the edge of a dark, bottomless pit. Hands clasped at my body, my throat. Marks were evident on my body when I awoke. Another appointment was made to see Rev Neil. The demon was now the one who was tormented. Take a knife and kill Neil, it commanded me. Kill, kill, kill. Doreen now was in the height of the spiritual battle, and she says that when the demons told her to kill Neil, she knew she had to do it. So she placed a knife into her bag and went to the church for her usual deliverance session. She had no memory of what happened next, but Neil told her later that she did indeed try to attack him with a knife. Specifically, she tried to jab for his eyes, hoping to blind him. But Neil was able to call on some of the Christians who were present in the church at the time, and together they were able to restrain her while Neil cast out the demons one by one. Other unclean spirits like seducer, stripper, corruption and lesbian were cast out to Gehenna. The lesbian demon was most revealing. Mr. Neil told me, and quite startling in its dialogue, it spoke in a refined society voice, so unlike my own. By now, she had developed a pain in her head. 
and these demons demanded that she stop this Christian nonsense and go back to witchcraft. She really did not want to. However, she did decide that she would go to her old friends in the coven and let them know that she was done with witchcraft for good. She was sick of looking over her shoulder. It was a foolish thing to do, for their answer to me was a severe beating. They dragged me, half-conscious, to a car and drove me to a lonely spot where I was dumped. They believed, I'm quite sure, that I was dead or would die within a short while. But someone found me and rushed me to a hospital where I stayed for four days. Such was the extent of the beating I'd received. I would never again go near the witch's cover. The regular exorcisms continued, but they finally came to a dramatic end at the stroke of midnight, when the last demon left her body with a loud, piercing scream. It had been a long, hard battle with the powers of darkness. Sixteen unclean spirits had been cast out. The name of the last demon was Dementia. Its work? To destroy the brain. After seven long months of exorcism and deliverance, Doreen was finally, she said, free of the demons. Forty-seven in total had been cast out from her. Now her long association with drugs, stripping, prostitution and witchcraft had reached its end. She had a new purpose now, to actively tell her story to Christians and warn the world about what she claimed was the witchcraft menace. She travelled from church to church and spoke to many crowds, especially young people. In fact, just recently I spoke to a friend of mine who said that when she was about 16, she went to see Doreen Irvin speaking at a local theatre. And sure enough, whenever some of the young people took it less than seriously, Irvin would be incredibly serious and she would try to make them realise that they were under threat. Eventually she appeared in national newspapers and on television and radio, and she said that the devil was furious about her new life, like when a visit to Cardiff was cut short because she fell and damaged her ankle in a place called Corey Hall. I'm quite sure that Satan was trying to put stop to all the Lord was doing in Cardiff. He was very annoyed that Jesus was getting extended news coverage on both television and radio. Doreen Irvin died in June 2019, aged 80 years, passing away suddenly but peacefully at her home in Billingham in the northeast of England. She was cremated at Teesside Crematorium, and this time there was no escaping the flames. Not that she would have wanted to, because right up until her death, she was adamant that she would never take the hand of Lucifer again. She died with the belief that after a life filled with things she was ashamed of, she trusted God to forgive her. And so we must ask, was the case of Doreen Irvin really true? Well, countless Christians believe that it absolutely was. I've got Christian friends, like I've said, who are convinced the book is real, including some friends who have met her in person. They are adamant that there is absolutely no reason to doubt her. Indeed, her book features a preface by Reverend Arthur Neal, the man who prayed all of those demons out of her for seven months. And he opens the book saying this, The record of Doreen Irvin is quite incredible, and I authenticate it wholeheartedly. Though to be fair, he only knew her during the exorcism months, 
So she may well have writhed and screamed and hissed like a snake during those times, but does that mean she was really the queen of the black witches and had all of those supernatural powers as she claimed? That she could walk into a blazing bonfire unscathed and held the hand of Lucifer himself? Well, Neil didn't see those things. And some of the biggest criticisms of Dorian Irvin's account have come from the witchcraft and Satanist community themselves, who say that Doreen's story is full of inaccuracies, contradictions, and wild, unsubstantiated claims. Indeed, a few years ago, I wrote an article for a magazine where I interviewed many witches about this so-called conspiracy against the church. You know, like the audio cassette tape wrapped around fences. I later learned that some Christians believe that empty plastic bags that you sometimes find caught in the branches of a tree are not there by accident that they are so-called cursed objects left by witches and Satanists to thwart the work of the church. Some even suggest that they have tried taking the bags down and then returned the next day and a bag has been placed in the exact same branch. When I spoke to the real-life witches about these claims, many of them were shocked at them, some were saddened, some just laughed out loud and said, witchcraft just isn't like that. We don't curse people, and if we do, it will come back on us. And we certainly aren't trying to destroy Christianity at all. I have many Christian friends, but I also have friends who are witches and a few Satanists too. Some of them have read Doreen's book, and when I asked their opinion, they just rolled their eyes. They said, the book from Witchcraft to Christ is like a hammer horror film, fantasy version of witchcraft. And they argue that if Doreen really was the Queen of the Black Witches... She had a serious lack of knowledge about actual occultism, not least in her equating witchcraft with Satanism, which is two very different worldviews. Some of them also point out that there isn't even a title or a role called Queen of the Black Witches in witchcraft. They also challenge how the book is lacking so much detail. For example, there are barely any dates mentioned, so it's difficult to confirm the events. Also, Irvin never gave the authorities any of the names of those people doing such evil acts, as she claimed. She didn't seem to have told the police about being beaten up by the coven and left for dead, for example. Was she too scared to say anything? Or did nobody beat her up? For her critics, then, Doreen had hoodwinked a generation of Christians. They suggested that she had simply hopped on the Nicky Cruz Run Baby Run publishing bandwagon, where he went from a life of crime to become the head of a notorious street gang. Doreen went from a life of crime to become the prime leader of a secret occult organization. And remember, by the late 60s and early 70s when the book came out, popular culture was filled with stories of devil worship and the occult. It was a very now topic. Others have argued that it's more complicated than simply being a huge hoax. Perhaps Doreen Irvin genuinely believed that these things had happened to her, that maybe the years of poverty, mental strain, and not least the drug abuse had taken its toll. Had she hallucinated or imagined some of these things? Did she have false memories? And then she shared them as if they were real because they really were real, at least to her. The idea of false memories would become a frightening factor in the satanic panic of the 80s and 90s, where some children were claiming to be the victims of satanic ritual abuse when it was later discovered that it never actually happened. Their memories were fractured about it somehow. They were misremembering. Or they were subject to suggestion. Whatever the case, whether it was true lies or a delusion, the influence of Doreen Irvin's testimony is beyond doubt. I became a Christian in the late 1990s, which was a very unexpected move for me, as I was very anti-church growing up. That's another story. 
But I would see Doreen's book on Christian bookshelves and in church libraries over and over again. In fact, the book had something of a resurgence in the late 1980s and early 1990s when the satanic ritual abuse panic went into full swing, with reports of satanic cults carrying out dark rites on a mass scale. Doreen Irvin became a figurehead once again for satanic abuse in the church, appearing in church videos about the so-called rise of Satanism. And intriguingly, another book came out in 1990 from Kingsway Publishers in the UK. This book was called Dance with the Devil, and it was telling the story of a woman called Audrey Harper, another Christian testimony book. But it reads shockingly similar to Doreen Irvin's story, with some sections almost being copied verbatim, word for word, even though this is supposed to be a different person. Audrey Harper says she began her life as a prostitute and a heroin addict. She was taken to a satanic temple blindfolded. She saw the sacrifice of a cockerel, and the chief satanist who made her his mistress gave her drugs. It even contains the stuff about digging up fresh graves to sacrifice bodies to Satan. It's there in Harper's story, even though it's a completely different woman, apparently. Though Harper's story is more extreme. Doreen Irvin's book makes no mention of child sacrifice or sexual abuse of children. While Harper's book tells almost the same story, but it adds in not only the abuse of children, but also the ritualistic killing of them, including the murder of a baby who had its throat slit during an occult ritual. Yet Harper never seems to have reported these crimes to the police. She just wrote a book about it. Despite the lack of hard evidence of both Doreen Irvin's and Audrey Harper's claims, the belief in their stories has not faded from view even today. Just go onto Amazon, for example, and read a few of the reviews of From Witchcraft to Christ. Comments include a riveting read, a credible testimony, a must-read for all Christians. Another comment says... Life food for those caught up in the weird world of the occult and its confusions and illnesses that come with it. And another says, Never mess with Satan worship, as this book tells us. Beware. It would be so easy to dismiss these little paperbacks as uh, salacious and even relatively harmless. Yet these sorts of ideas are powerful and long-lasting today. We see them echoed and believers in theories like QAnon who are convinced that a shadowy cabal of devil worshippers are meeting in secret to drink the blood of children. You'd be surprised at how popular this idea is becoming today, and it's been seeded by the works of people like Jack Chick and also Doreen Irvin. Because these ideas don't just come out of nowhere, they gradually take hold in society, and they are built on an accumulation of books and videos and news reports and stories. For many, Doreen Irvin's book is nothing more than an early form of fake news that took on a life of its own with ideas that still influence people today. But for others, they believe that Doreen pulled back the curtain so that we might see reality, that there really are evil forces at work today. And they would say if modern witches like my friends would deny that they are out to curse the church I've seen some Christians shrug when I've told them that, and they say, well, they would say that, wouldn't they? They're keeping it quiet. Um, I'm just going to break into this episode for a moment, because I want to add something that recently happened, something disturbing that I think is relevant to this topic. Even if we were to prove that Doreen Irvin's book was partly, or indeed, completely false, does that therefore disprove every other claim of malevolent supernatural activity. The reason I say that is because 
I was at a church service recently and the pastor who was preaching shared a story that just got under my skin and I thought I'd share it with you in the context of this story. Particularly because this pastor doesn't strike me as the type of person to lie in the pulpit. He said that his father used to be a church minister too, but his father was a man who was classically dismissive towards stories of the supernatural, a, a cynic, a skeptic, like many of us are. Until one horrible morning when he had just preached a sermon in his church and he was standing at the doorway, shaking people's hands and thanking them for coming, when a woman came up to him, a stranger he'd never seen at church before, and she clearly looked troubled. He put out his hand to shake hers, and when she spoke, she did so in a way that defies logic. He said that when she opened her mouth, she said the words, Help me. But at the exact same time, another voice came from her mouth simultaneously and said, I will kill you. And then she reached into her bag and pulled out a knife and she attacked this pastor. And they struggled and other congregation members came in to help and eventually disarmed her and got her some support and help. He said that from that day forward, it was impossible to do what he had previously done naturally, which was to dismiss claims of supernatural evil almost as a kind of automatic reaction. That incident changed his life. And it just made me think as I was editing this episode, is there an incident in our future that might change our skeptical mind forever? Well, who knows? But in that area of mystery, there will continue to be those who approach a story like Doreen's with a default skepticism or indeed a default belief, but maybe the truth is somewhere messy in the grey, frustrating middle. Well, let's return to conclude Doreen's story, but just bear in mind that even though her book was written in the early 70s, there are people who are still claiming, even in the past few weeks, that these things are happening today. I did a little digging, and I was able to find some funeral tributes that had been written to remember Doreen Irving's death. People said things like, I praise God for Doreen's great testimony and also what an amazing lady filled with Jesus. But there was one little tribute that caught my eye. It was left by a woman called Christine Scholes on the 26th of October 2021, just a few days before Halloween. And she writes this. I met Doreen in 1973 at Maidley Teacher Training College. She came to give a talk and was amazingly charismatic. She was so sincere and fervent in her testimony, providing lots of food for thought in her message. She was very down-to-earth, non-judgmental and approachable. A really excellent speaker who gave her a message from the heart. She particularly helped one girl who had been dabbling in the dark side and was using tarot cards. Doreen warned about these and the girl offered them up to be destroyed. We threw them onto a hot fire that evening, but they did not burn. So Doreen led us in fervent prayer until at last the fire consumed them. I'm almost 70 now, but I've never forgotten Doreen or her teachings and warnings. They have been with me throughout my life, shaping and strengthening my Christian faith. One day when 
all things are made anew. I hope to meet her again. God bless you, Doreen. Thank you for your hard-earned wisdom and love. Rest in our Father's peace. Christine. So was she a liar? Was she telling the truth? Did her drug-fueled life produce false memories that others have believed and made those memories even stronger? Well, I'm going to leave that up to you to decide. And I guess it all depends on what you think. When you walk through a town on a summer's day and happen to notice ribbons of cassette tape clinging to the railings of a church or a plastic bag trapped in the branches of a skeleton tree. I'm Peter Laws, and you've been listening to Frightful on Doreen Irvin, the Queen of the Black Witches. A special thank you to Zoe Bark, who voiced Doreen Irvin in these two episodes. And just a reminder, if you'd like to support the show, get lots of extras, including ad-free episodes of this show and my other show, Hometown History Europe, then visit patreon.com forward slash Peter Laws. Thank you and good night. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.